Good morning. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We are a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community that loves mothers. Right? We're mother lovers. Uh, hey, thanks for, we know you have many choices when you mothers day, and thanks for spending it with us. Um, and it's, it's uh, fun. I'm going to tell stories at each point about my mom this morning, just a little bit of fun and have fun with her. Uh, but before we get started this morning, want to, um, oh, do I need to finish that? We're compelling ourselves and others to casually, no? Okay, we're moving on. We're going to Mexico. <laughs> we're off to Mexico. Uh, so we got our last day to register is next Sunday uh, because then we're only, gosh, we're less than a month out at that point. And I think we have a training meeting coming up after that. But um, if you're planning on thinking about, wondering, questioning, uh, come talk to me um, and or you can talk to Megan or Brent or Bryce or I mean any of the staff. There's a bunch of other people that you could talk to who've been on the trip. But somehow RBC proper needs to know that you want to go and then we'll make it. We'll make it work from there. Um, and we're filling up. And so it's going to... So, yeah, so tell us. All right, moving on. Uh, next Sunday. State of the Church Address. Sounds so formal. Sounds political, too, doesn't it? All right, we're changing the slide right now. Ready? Next Sunday, family meeting. I don't know, for some of you, family meeting might be worse than state of the church. I know family meetings at my house are like, someone's busted, right? We're in trouble. There's going to be a new set of chore lists for everybody in the family, and no one's going to like it. Um, not the case. Uh, family meeting next Sunday going to be uh, just an update uh, where we are, how we're doing, especially coming uh, out of pandemic. I don't believe in jinxing things because I think God's in control. Amen. Uh, so we're going to talk about where we are as a church, where we think we're going, uh, little updates on different things, uh, kind of some fun stuff uh, coming forward with uh, uh, pastor elder team and deacon team and some of those kind of things. So uh, after second service uh, next week, 16th, and um, so we'll try to be in here by one o'clock and you know, we'll drag the second service people, you know, it takes them a while. They're, you know, they're second service people. They wake up late and then they wander. So uh, that's, that's uh, next Sunday, all right? So you're going to sign up for Mexico, you're going to come to church, and then you're going to sit through a state of the church uh, family meeting. Um, and it shouldn't be too long. I, I think we're an hour or less because that's my attention span. All right. Uh, let's get started. We're continuing our series in uh, Colossians chapter 2. Judy. Oh, yes. You summer camp. is. There's a deadline coming up. We'll, we'll get you more information. But if you're interested in summer camp, that thing they used to do pre-pandemic, it's back. Uh, so they are actually going off to a camp, middle school, high school, and would love to get you involved in that. Uh, Megan Ash is your go-to. She knows everything. Um, and she's here this morning. So, uh, yes, thank you, Judy. Appreciate that. Uh, now, Colossians chapter 2, we're going to finish the chapter this morning. Uh, there's just a few verses this morning, but um, I was excited about them and kind of wanted to spend a little bit of time on them because um, they're going to protect us from Christianese, these verses. Christianese was a phrase my mom used to use on me. Like I would give an answer and it would be kind of Christianish, 
And she's like, okay, that's good Christianese. What does it really mean, though? Like, explain it. So I wasn't just giving the answer. I actually understood the answer. Um, and we're going to protect ourselves from some of the stuff that Christians come up. In fact, uh, Paul's going to talk about human teachings and how they get us in trouble. So uh, we're going to jump into that in just a minute. Um, but let's, let's pray and uh, start properly. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thanks for what we get to do every Sunday. Thanks for uh, people in seats and people online and our ability to worship in many ways. Thanks, Lord, that there are really very few rules. And may we see that this morning. Thanks for moms as well. Pray that this morning would uh, honor you, Lord, and your son through your Holy Spirit. Uh, but I pray, Lord, that we would recognize that probably the main avenue that you work in most of our lives was, is, or will be mom. And so uh, be with us in this time, this this passage, what's said, what's heard, how it's interpreted, and uh, may it be a blessing. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Uh, Paul is continuing his letter to the church at Colossae, and um, he's been talking about a bunch of different things. I'll give you a quick recap. Uh, week one, we talked about being qualified for inheritance, that somehow we qualified, right? I don't know if you've ever applied for something and then you find out you qualified. It's like so exciting. Unless it's like a form letter from a credit card company that comes in the mail and you realize they're trying to get you, right? Um, but qualified for an inheritance. So we talked about how you're qualified, Christ, and then what is your inheritance? And that's a bigger question. We covered that week one. That's the beginning of chapter one. We finished chapter two with reconciled to reveal. Not only were we qualified, but he reconciled us, which is a great word. Uh, Paul loves that word, uses it a bunch, especially in um, 2 Corinthians. Um, but this idea that he's made us whole or made us right again um, in order to reveal. And what is he revealing and what, what opportunity do we have to reveal to others uh, who Christ is and, and that whole thing. Uh, and then lastly, last week we talked about freed to walk. That in, in this qualification and reconciliation, we have freedom. In fact, let's, let's get beyond those two really long words and let's just get to free. And if we have been freed with a D on the end because he did it for us, then how do we walk? How does he want us to walk? What's the, what's the priority? Um, so that was the first three sections that we've gone through. Today we're going to talk about growing in value. If you've been qualified, reconciled, and freed, well then what? Just run around and do whatever you want? No, we're supposed to walk a certain way. We got into that last week. He's going to finish this chapter talking about what does value look like? Where do we find value? Um, and I know we're at church, and I say, where do you find value? You're going to say, Jesus, Christ, right, together or individually, right? Um, but Paul's going to explain it with a little more detail. Let's jump in. Uh, <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2, verse uh, 16. Here we go. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. Amen? All right, that's Sunday. I uh, hope you have a good rest of the day. And uh, we're done now. I want to stop with just that first line. Let no one pass judgment on you. You like that? Why do you like that? Why do you like that? I don't want to be judged. Say it, Margaret. 
It's freeing. You are not just freed, but you are being freed. And it is freeing. Right? There's a whole lot of free. What's that commercial lately? Free, free, free. Right? Uh, this is why she gets to decorate the church. Right? Stuff in the back. Mother's Day. Which, by the way, I think uh, every mom gets to take a rose this morning. Okay? And a rose is a rose by any other name. Right? I don't know if you know that poem. Uh, but anyways, let's get back to you being judged. Uh, why do you like the idea of let no one pass judgment on you? It's freeing. But you don't like to be controlled. I know who judged me the most. Who judges and has judged me the most. Don't, don't say Jesus right now. I know that's the spiritual answer. It's a devotional answer. In my life, and I'm hitting 52 here pretty quick. I know I'm not supposed to talk about my age in public, but I'm getting away with most social graces. Amen? Uh, who has judged me the most in my life for almost 52 years? What day is it, folks? Mother's Day! Okay, and some of you, I know some of you, some of you, I worry about you. You're like, yeah, well, what about dad? Well, dad was out of the house for quite a long time, okay? So I lived and grew up with mom, and what did I hate about being judged by mom? Control. I got to redefine things. I got to change my behavior, the whole thing. Once I finally get out of that, I finally get out of the house, you know, like fully out of the house, 25-ish or whatever, where I'm off into my own marriage and my own thing, and it's like, ugh, what do I like about that? I am free to run into as many walls and make as many mistakes and stick my foot in my mouth as many times as I want, right? But at least I'm not being judged. Why do we, why do we hate being judged? See, I have come to the point where I love it. I love when people try to judge me, but I no longer let people pass judgment on me. One, uh, I believe in the Bible, Matthew chapter 7, there is one judge and one lawgiver, right? We're at church, we have to say that. Uh, so if someone judges me, is it about me? No, it's about them. This is why I love when people judge me or try to judge me. Because they've just told me about them. They told me about who they are. Not about who I am. Uh, I know who I am. I know who my maker is. I know who my creator is. I know who has the will for my life. And I will be busy for the rest of my life, all of my life, trying to figure out how that is going with him, God. Uh, so when other people come in and, and want to put... Pass judgment on me. One, uh, I reject your control. I reject your definition. And you're distracting me from true value. Who is God? What has he said? And how does it apply to me? Now, when I take that, now I can come back and address what your concern is. Because when they're judging you, it's, they're not really judging you. They call it judging. But they really have a concern. How do we address that? We address that from health. But I love what Paul says here. Is don't let anyone pass judgment on you. Because we think it defines us. That's why we hate it. 
we came up to, you know, well, it's freeing and, you know, we don't like being controlled and I like, I want to be the master of my own, you know, domain and all this kind of stuff. Really, we're afraid that it defines us. Uh, that's a sin. <laughs> what? I subconsciously sin? Yeah, when you let someone else define you, that's actually a sin. Scott, they look really harsh this morning. It's Mother's Day. Come on, flowers and soft colors. Come on. Uh, yeah. In fact, mom's probably the only person who can judge you, and it's helping you see your true definition rather than trying to define you. When people judge you, generally it's a manipulation. They're trying to change your behavior or get something they want. They think the church should be this way, so they are telling you to do that. They think the family should be this way, so they're telling the family these are the rules. They think the business is going to function and make money this way, so we're going to put these protocols in place. It's a guess, and it's an attempt, but it does not determine value. And it's utmost important for us to understand that. Because our kids are getting infected with it. Right? Um, everybody's talking about vaccines and injections, the whole thing. The scariest thing for me is the injection of social media into our younger generation and how it's killing them. Absolutely killing them. Young girls and boys committing suicide because somebody posted something and they have no idea what they're talking about. But they take it as real, they think it's a definition, and they've been judged, and now it's like, oh, I'm done, I guess it's over. Pfft. No. That's some Yahoo with a keyboard and internet access. That's all it is. And probably that should be removed. You know, when you're judged, it's, it's usually little more than that. Don't let yourself be judged. How many times you come home and something happened and mom helped you explain it? You thought you were judged. You came out of a situation. You came home freaked out and mom made it better. Why do we love mom? Mom makes everything better. Or she makes everything worse because you're in trouble. That's a different story for a different time. Uh, do not let uh, people pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or other regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Gee, Scott, you left all of those little definers out when you had this big, long discussion. I mean, gee, we're, we're almost 10 minutes into the sermon. All you talked about is no one passed judgment on you, but it was really within another sentence that said of food and drink, festival, new moon, or Sabbath. Okay. Why do you think they listed those five things? Are they kind of different things across the board, a bunch of different stuff? Isn't he really saying all? In anything, that's the point. I didn't want to distract you with the five things. That's why we stuck on the first phrase. But it's really meant to think, like what you put into your body, what you eat. Paul has already determined for us in Scripture and other places, you, you can eat anything. Food does not defile you. Those rules have changed. Peter had a dream. Paul and Peter had a discussion. God made it clear. We're not doing all those old rules from the Old Testament anymore. That's a study for another time. But what about what you drink? I'm sorry, folks. I rage against this one. Because I was told my whole life you weren't allowed to drink anything. And then I read in Scripture, Jesus passed the wine to his disciples and said, drink this often and remember me. Wine is not the problem. 
our self-control is the problem. <gasps> Darn, I can't blame it on something else. Yes, and that's what's going on in this passage. You can't blame it on someone else when they pass judgment because you're going to reject that. We're not going to make rules about this, that, or the other. Are we going to be careful with what we eat? Yes, because we don't want to compete with the size of a cow. We don't want to... You know, we don't want to be unhealthy. We don't want cholesterol. I have apparently all these things I have to be really careful and not eat. The doctor is trying to judge me. <laughs> Made some statements about cholesterol and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I listen to him because we exercise self-control. But uh, what about Sabbath? What do you do with Sabbath? Jesus told the guy, get up, pick up your mat and walk. He did it on the Sabbath. And sometimes we think they're all mad because Jesus did work on the Sabbath by healing him, but then they didn't want to give him credit for doing work on the Sabbath by healing him because then they'd have to call him God. If he did that work, if he did heal him, he'd be God. So who'd they get mad at? The dude that got up and he carried a mat. That's work. He got in trouble. He turned around and tried to blame it on Jesus, right? Is Jesus worried about how technical we get with the Sabbath? No. And if God told you to do something on the Sabbath, you do it. You pick up your mat and you start walking. There are all kinds of exceptions. There are all kinds of things going on in the world beyond what we know and understand. We have to be careful when we start making black and white rules. And especially when they're made on you, because now who's got, who's got control? Fred. If Fred makes a rule for me and I start following Fred's rule, who's the boss? And who's just been dethroned? We're at church, I ask the question, the answer is, right? Now Fred's in control, not Jesus. That's, that's dangerous. Um, and, and, and by the way, I figured out, some of you try to do it to me. I've figured it out. I'm watching you. Okay? We're not making rules on people based on temporal stuff. Now, are temporal things effective in hurting us or blessing us and do we need to manage this yes absolutely but when it comes to judgment there's really only one standard we got to watch that these are a shadow of things to come these things that we measure we're going to get a full measure of them when we get to heaven when we're fully before god then we're going to understand food and drink to its extent what does a new moon actually mean i'm <laughs> Tempted to think that it has two purposes, the cycles of the earth and what it does to water and all that kind of stuff, and it provides light beyond those two things. I think God's going to laugh at us in some of the things that he explains to us when we are really clear. But watch this next phrase, because in this next phrase, I think, hinges the bulk of what we're talking about this morning. The substance belongs to Christ. The substance of what? See, now I'm, now I'm getting oppositional. The substance of what? You said the substance belongs to Christ. The substance of what? And now we can go English and try to extract it from the passage or the sentence. Is it the substance of judgment? Yeah, that'd be a true statement. Is the substance of the new moon? Does that belong to Christ? Yeah, it does. We don't understand it quite right now. Uh, the value of Sabbath, that belongs to Christ. You see the pattern here? What does the substance and the value, what, how many things 
do the substance and value belong to Christ? All of them. So let Fred talk. Let Fred make rules. Pray for Fred. Uh, don't call him Frederick when you're frustrated with him because that's just going to make him more frustrated. Now, Frederick, right? Don't do that. Stay confident and stable within yourself of knowing who God is and that he's in control of all things. Amen? We call that sovereignty. It's a great study uh, for another time or you're on your own. Verse 18, let no one disqualify you. Ooh, have we just said it twice now in different ways? Why would he say it twice in different ways? Because we're human. <laughs> I need to be told twice. In fact, my mom usually told me things um, seven times, right? What's the over-under for training a kid? Huh, Denise? 20,000. 20, okay, good. Uh, but they get it, and it works. Let no one disqualify you. I have a, this problem lately. I cry in public. I don't know what's wrong with me, and I don't think there's a cure. Uh, there's so many stories I could tell right now, but one of what I what is making me verklempt right now. Here's a trick: crack a joke or take a deep breath if you're crying in public. Okay, this is how you do it. All right. By the way, the for your mom and your sister, that was the worst. Like I was a mess the whole time. Watch the video or don't. But whew, I meet with couples who want to get married. I can't tell you how many times they walk in the initial meeting and I can feel it. They're wondering if I will take the ceremony, like if I'm going to accept them and actually do they qualify to get married? Am I going to discount them in some way or tell them, well, I appreciate that you're getting married, but I don't think I, don't think I can do it because of this, that, or the other. And, and I'm so on a different page than that. I don't care if they've been sleeping together or if they live together or if they fully profess faith in Jesus Christ or not. I don't care what their past is or if they're a drug addict or all those kind of things. They want to get married and they want God to be part of that marriage. And they want a ceremony where God is represented and maybe they're battling all their things by trying to chase God and we're going to do it in our marriage and we're going to start on the right page. I would never disqualify them. I want you to take that perspective into every relationship that you walk into. When you deal with Jose as he's busting your table or Raphael, my waiter at one of the most recent restaurants that I went to, he was so great. Take the attitude of, I will not disqualify them on any level. Not based on race or gender or all the politically correct stuff that our society is pushing around, but mostly based on they are a creation of Christ, and God defines them. Then you can walk into everything. You can do every wedding ceremony with full heart, full mind, clear conscience. We're trying to help people go the right direction. Amen? Um, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, so let no one disqualify you. Insisting on, oh, that's a big word. Anybody want to attempt it? 
Absolutism. Absolutism. I don't know. I'm sitting in my desk. I'm studying by myself, and I'm I'm trying to pronounce it at my desk by myself. I, I, I'm not sure I got it right. I'm not sure I could get it right in public, but I know what it means. Like an over attempt at discipline. Like you're trying to like purge yourself and discipline yourself so much that somehow you get value out of it. It's it's like the guy we found out one one year we were at summer camp and we met this old guy and and they were talking about how yeah and in like fifty years he's never missed a Sunday of church. And I remember thinking to myself, Wow, that's amazing. Two, that's crazy. And three, I don't care. Tell me who he is. Because I met some people that have gone to church. Don't like. <laughs> Check. Right? This. Mean. Whatever. You can be overly disciplined to try and make yourself pure. Right? Enter discussion of New Te uh, Old Testament. All the rules they had. Pharisees, Sadducees. Right? But insisting on that's how you're going to make yourself valuable, that's how you're going to get your definition, or you're going to try to avoid judgment by doing all the things right, I say just don't let yourself be judged. And don't let anybody ever disqualify you. Right? They insist on something like that, or they insist on worshiping angels, or going into detail about visions, I love this one. Puffed up without reason. Well, you know, Scott, I, f I feel like the Lord has really told me that you need to blah, blah, blah. Really? That's amazing. I've been waiting for somebody that was closer to God than me to tell me all the things I need to correct. Here's what I don't understand. If he's telling you, but it's about me, how come I'm not hearing it? You know, all these weird, people come up with weird stuff in the church, right? So one of the reasons I signed up for this job, it's entertaining. I have front row seats to crazy, <laughs> right? People come up with stuff that makes no sense without reason by a sensuous mind. Well, because they're overly sexualized? No, sensuous could be anything. Any pursuit, any vice, any could be control or power or fear of image. They'll do all kinds of crazy stuff just so they look right. I gotta, I gotta keep my five rating on Facebook. My Yelp reviews have to be right here. I have to have this many friends or likes on this, that, or the other. I have to get to that next position, that next title. My team's not going to respect me unless I'm put as head of the team. No, they just won't respect you then either. You'll just be more of a jerk. That's how it works. Uh, and people do it all the time. Don't, don't worry. I know none of you do that. Wink, wink. And not holding fast to the head. That's how you get in trouble. Who's the head? No, there's a hint. The H is capitalized. Who's the head? Jesus. The head of the church, head of you, is Jesus. 
interesting. I was listening to a podcast totally unrelated to this, but they were talking about the idea, the value of the humanity of Christ is that he, by will, gave up some of his rights and powers and ability in order to live like us, to set an example for us. Amazing. Ahead of us that would do everything he could to relate in ways that we can understand. Not because he needed help relating, but because we did. We got to hold on to that head. Why? Because he's the true judgment. He's the true definition, the true value, right? Uh, From whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Where does our growth come from? It comes from God, right? Look at the title, top of the lesson, Growing in Value. Uh, he's the value. We grow in him. But really what, we're, what I'm saying in that title is what's our value? What is the value that we grow in? Um, how do we prepare our things for next? How do we fix mistake? How do we project to those that are learning? Um, that's the value we're chasing, and that's what we're trying to grow into. And it's our pursuit of God, our pursuit of Christ. Sometimes it's sitting in here. Sometimes it's singing. Sometimes it's regulating your own behavior when you're by yourself. But all of those things are the pursuit of Christ, memorizing Scripture. That's how we get to that place. Um, I want us to see uh, this idea here, and I want to get to first fill in um, and just talk from there is this idea that uh, growth God promotes our growth and protects us from empty restrictions mankind and don't think it's just the men mankind will try to restrict you either by how they define you or how they limit you they might just um, cut you off go dark Don't respond. They're going to try to restrict you. And they're going to do things to you that are empty. Remember, without reason, puffed up, overly disciplined, making rules, the whole thing. It's our growth in Christ that helps us get beyond, get past, and be less affected. You're going to be affected a little bit because it's going to mess with your mind and your heart a little bit. Hey, they said this. They did. It's going to bug you. The opportunity is how do you grow in Christ and, and, and let that stuff water off the duck's back. Just let that slide off. I've been here. I did that. You know, Maybe I could have made better choices, but God loves me. He designed me. He created me. He's going to redeem me. He's reconciled me. He's qualified me. And let's move forward. I mean... Folks, this is mom, right? Doesn't mom protect you from empty restrictions? Isn't mom the one who did so many things to kind of put you back on track or keep you on track or find you when she has no idea? What track are you on? What were you thinking, right? You said what to the babysitter? That's a story we'll tell another time. Um, it it reminds me of a a time I was in middle school. Uh, I was in the band. And, uh, you know, you have have art credits and you got to fulfill them some. And I had done saxophone in elementary school. And so I already had the saxophone. I was like, well, 
I just join the band. I can get through a year of band or whatever, and I'll, I'll be good. So I'm in band, and uh, my buddy, and I use that term loosely, Jeff had a, had a talent. He had a, a gift, right? Mine is crying in public right now. Uh, Jeff, his talent, his ability was he could do stuff, negative stuff, bad stuff, break the rules kind of stuff, and get someone else busted for it. We, so Jeff would get me in trouble regularly. Most of the time it was in science class because we were in the same little lab group and he used to frustrate me so much. This time it was in band class. Uh, the band director's trying to take us through songs and do things and he keeps making little noises and stuff and disrupting the song and the whole thing. Well, Jeff's sitting right next to me and the director thinks it's me. He, he speaks to me once. I'm like, it's not me. It's not me. Now, I'm, I'm overly loyal to fault and a superpower. So I don't rat people out. As a 12-year-old, I'm not going to tell. I know his name, but I won't say it. I'm not going to tell the director that it was Jeff. I'll rat out Jeff in this story, but not because I'm going to say something that's not going to make him look good. It goes on. He makes some more noise. Director stops. Scott, I've asked you once. This is the second time. It's not me. Now, how, of us, how many of us believe a 12-year-old? So the third time, Scott, come down here. I'm giving you a referral. You're going to the office. Now, this is the oppositional side of me. I, I became belligerent, and um, none of the things that I did from this point forward I do, am I justifying. They were all wrong. I got very loud and frustrated. That's not fair. You, this, this is horrible. You're the worst. You know, I'm like all this kind of stuff. Um, I didn't use any swear words. It's one point. But I got plenty of negative points with that. So I go up to get the, um, the referral, and I, I grab it out of his hand. And I turn to walk away, and he grabs me by the back of the neck. And not just grabs me by the neck, back of the neck. Like, he grabs me by the back of the neck, and he physically runs me out of the classroom, kind of bangs me through the door, and he, th he physically threw me out of the band room. And that's when I thought to myself, uh-oh, this isn't going to go well. Back in those days, teachers didn't get in trouble for stuff, right? Not when I grew up, right? You look at a kid wrong now, and you could lose your job, right? Um, so now I'm in this hallway. I'm headed to the office, and I'm thinking to myself, this can only go one way, very poorly for me. Because now I know how mad he is. No one's going to believe me that it was Jeff. And that guy just physically abused me. And I'm walking to the office. It was one of the only times that I thought to myself, I hope they call my mom. Almost every other time in my life, it's like, please don't call my mom. Please don't call my mom, right? This time I'm thinking, I need mom on this one. Because I'm about to be in the presence of very angry adults more than one and they're going to be they're going to be they're going to get me and we, we got to the office and and I was with the vice principal blah 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 we're going to call your mom He's, yes please I just sat there and I kept shut kept my mouth shut kept quiet the whole thing uh, my mom shows up and mom's hot like livid right 
uh, Berglunds don't do this. I don't know what you did with that teacher, but you are in deep water, son. She starts hearing the story, everything going on. And she starts asking questions. And that one was like, yeah, mom's here. Y'all's in trouble. Because <laughs> you don't know it, but she's the smartest person in the room. She starts figuring it out and asking enough questions. She's like, oh, so, oh, and you thought it was appropriate to grab his neck. Hmm. And you have evidence that he was making the noise. Have you talked to Jeff? Blah, blah, blah. All of that. Blah, blah, blah. We got to the point where the, the vice principal was apologizing. And we'll figure out a way, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we'll get him back to class next week. And, da, da, da. and my mom said, no. My son will not be in that classroom with that teacher ever again. So what are your other options? And they decided uh, he could have a study hall in the library during band hour for the rest of the semester. She looked at me. Sound good? Sounds great. I'm going to get my homework done before I leave school every day. It was glorious. Uh, Mom came in and protected me from a bunch of empty. Where I was going to be in trouble. God is meant to protect you, your mind and your heart, from a lot of the empty stuff that's coming at you. We've got to remember that. Yeah, amen? Um, And mom's the key to that. I said it during the prayer. I don't know if you caught it. She's like the main avenue for most people that God functions through. Right? Now, I know you're going to say, well, what about Jesus? Ah, quit being such a Sunday school. Right? Yes, Jesus is the main avenue. I get that. But the functional hands and feet that you get to deal with is a lot of times mom. Uh, Verse 20, we just did, right? Verse uh, 20. No, we didn't. Verse 20. Uh, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Are you talking about real regulations, like the laws of the land? No, it's talking about the little regulations that people are putting on you in the spiritual realm. You know, if you were really a Christian, you would blah, blah, blah. Oh, you know, you, you did this in your past, so you, you can't really have a good marriage. Malarkey. But not true. How many things are possible in Christ? All things are possible in Christ. And we say amen to that. Uh, so why are, you, why are you putting up with people's judgments of you, projections on you, definitions of you, control of you? Don't do that. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Can you be defiled by something that you touch? Defiled? What does that mean? Can you, be, can you lose your value because you touch something? Because you eat something? Because you drink something? No. Can you hurt yourself? Yes. Can you compromise something? Absolutely. But none of these things define you. And Paul's saying, look, remember this. Uh, referring to the things that all perish. All perish as they are used. Right? Those things that you touch, you eat, you drink, whatever. Once you're done with them, where are they? Gone. They're like Kaiser Soze, the usual suspect. And they're gone. We never define our stuff on the temporal. That might be a write down. It's nowhere on your outline. We never define ourselves on the temporal. Now, the temporal can hurt us but it never defines us, right? According to human precepts and teachings, stuff that humans come up with, 
right? And if you have, well, anyways, uh, you, you have people in your life that have a lot of teachings, right? This is what my says to me sometimes. She says, Dad, too many details. Can you just give me a shorter answer, <laughs> right? Um, what, is, what does this tell us? The second set of fill-ins, this is what it tells us. We follow the substance of Christ as our definition rather than the rules of religion. Um, name for me a rule, a Rock Bible Church rule. I love it. I love the silence. I love the silence. We're not here to make rules. Little bit of motivation in starting a church. I was tired of going to churches with rules. I was told I shouldn't dance at a wedding reception one time by a church person. I was like, <clears throat> survey says no answers on the board. We don't make rules. We follow the substance of Christ. Now, here's your question that you write down under this fill-in. What's the substance of Christ? What is the substance of Christ? What is the value of Christ? They asked Jesus. He said, love God, love your neighbor. Right? He said other things. Go and make disciples of all people, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And, Lord, I'm with you. Right? Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I, I know I got that in backwards order. Okay? Welcome to my brain. Okay? I know it's Matthew 28, but I forget which verse. Welcome to my brain. I want to hold on to the substance rather than do you have all the references memorized? I was at a church, youth pastor, and I'm eat, eating at an elder's house, and he wants me to tell him the value of memorizing scripture with reference. And that's when I thought to myself, I might be at the wrong church. Hey, bud, I'm really sorry. The reference thing, generally I can get the book right. I can get to a chapter in generally because I think of things in terms of chapters as the story goes through. But you want me to know what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 means? I'm going to have to write a seminary paper on that to remember that it says, for the love of Christ controls us. Otherwise, I got nothing. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 is the verse where it says, for the love of Christ controls us. That's the substance of Christ. What controls you? Here's the way I like to say it in like a little counseling setting. What are the voices that you listen to? What voices do you listen to? Whose voice has your ear? Now your spouse should, your parents should, you know, probably your boss, blah, blah, blah. I mean, all those things. Mom, for sure. Amen? Folks, it's Mother's Day. I'm talking about moms. Amen? Okay. But who really has our ear? Whose voice is loudest, should be, should be God's? When the church starts becoming the loudest voice, might be in trouble. If you ever think I'm doing that to you, tell me. I will apologize and correct what I think I mean and try to make sense of this. But that's not why I'm here. I'm here to promote the substance of Christ, right? Rather than the rules of religion. 
And there's plenty of those. My mom, I always remember, she used to say to me, she said, are you going to let them define you? I grew up with two little brothers, three boys in a house, no girls. What's that mean? More room for raucous rowdiness and rumbling and wrestling and throwing stuff. I, I don't know, maybe girls do that. I didn't grow up with any girls. I don't know. But I know we fought like bobcats. And we said whatever we wanted to say to each other. And so many times I would get so angry. Now I'm the oldest. And my mom would stop us. And I'd, but I'd say, but he did this and he said that. And they don't ever. And she said, she would always say to me, are you going to let what they do define you? Or are you going to choose to define yourself? Because if you let them define you, you've given up your power. You've given up control to them. Ooh. Now, luckily, mom's a Christian, always has been. She says there's only one place where we give up our power. We give up our definition. You define who you are, not other people's action. I love that. Love that. Um, verse 23, I think we are. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and ascetism, this overly self-disciplined piousness, and severity to the body, right? I'm going to fast for weeks at a time. Okay, at what point are you actually hurting your body? There are many ways to do spiritual disciplines. Fasting is only one of them. And it need not be the only one you do, right? We got to be careful that we don't overdo things. Because when you overdo things, it gives you the appearance of wisdom. And what you're really doing is you're promoting yourself. I work out every morning. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> what are you telling me? How great you are because you work out every morning? I've never been divorced. Oh, great. That makes you better? Or are you just admitting publicly that you have no idea of how to relate to a divorced person? Ooh, got you there. Now I say proudly, name, name a relative dynamic. Father, sister, brother, blah, 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 cousin. Name one of those. Name one. I have one divorced. There you go. You can name any of those. I have one that's divorced, right? Uh, my... my Myself and my little brother, David. Only ones on our first marriage. We don't do the appearance of wisdom, folks. And that's all our culture is right now. It seems like in every way, all our culture does right now is the appearance of wisdom. Well, we've got to this and we've got to that. And if you don't, and they should, and we're going to make a rule. And there's so many rules out now. I just take me to jail right now. I, I know I'm violating something right now. Or I will in the next couple minutes. But watch this phrase. This is the end of chapter 2. But they are of no, what's that word? Value. So you're supposed to be growing in value. They are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. When we try to control, manipulate, make rules, define, judge other people, you are trying to indulge yourself. 
No, it says indulgence of the flesh. Yes, that's you. It's the same thing. I love what my mom has said to me so many times. This, this is really about how good my mom is and how many things I got in trouble for, right? Um, she would say to me this. She'd say, uh, you, you, can, uh, you can fool other people, but not me. I know who you are. And don't fool yourself. She said that to me just a little while ago. I was having a discussion with my daughter. Remember, grew up with no sisters. Masculine experience, whole life. And this alien came into my house. <laughs> right? So I need translators. And my wife and my mom happens to be here for this exchange. Now, my mom is a licensed MFT and blah, 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 and a whole bunch of other letters, and I, I stopped keeping track, right? Oh, a squirrel. Um, and I, I posed this argument to make a point with her, and my mom says, oh, nice try. And I was like, oh, I'm 14 again. Here she comes. She says, oh, yeah, I know that sounds good. And it probably might work on Marissa, but I'm going to make sure that it doesn't because I'm going to point out why that's wrong and it doesn't work. And you can try that and it might work on other people, but it won't work on me. I know who you are. And don't fool yourself with your own press. Bam. I love my mom. Why? She sets me straight. She sets me straight. Why? Because the appearance, appearance is an indulgence that trades away value. Appearance is an indulgence. Do you, do you know this? Like when you get dressed up, when you get dressed up, what, what's going on there? Well, I want, I want to look nice for the wedding. Yes, you do. But there's, there's also another piece going on. When you promote yourself, when you read your resume to people, when you take over an argument and make a, make a point that's going to be right, shut down the other people, you're indulging yourself. You are strong enough, smart enough to wait and let people play out what they're doing without you having to jump in and take over. And they will learn. And if you're slow and you're patient and you chase the substance of Christ in loving them and letting Christ control you, as they're going through their process, you'll be a safer person. They will turn around and come back to you and might engage you in it. And we see that in Christ. He lived with the knuckleheads, 12 of them. And boy, he could have shut them down so fast, so many times. And he, he just slow, like he took them by the hand, kind of walked them through. Oh, hey, buddy, you're sinking. Here, come on, stand. Here, let's, let's bring you up. Hey, hey, no, put the sword down. Hey, hey, no, no, don't criticize them because if they're not against us, then they're for us. So many different instances of him taking time and working alongside with them. 
And he, didn't, he never did things for appearance. You realize this? Never did things for appearance. Now, is it okay to look good? Oh, man. I'm going to have to ask second service. Is it okay to look good? This can't be your priority. You got to recognize at what time are you uh, chasing a, uh, an indulgence? And at what time are you really growing in value? Because we, we never want to trade against value. We just never want to do that. And God bless my mother. This is one of those times where I'm going to cry in public. My dad left. My mom raised my three, the three of us boys by herself for a while. And she never traded value. Now, we had to comb our hair before we went to church. We had to tie our shoes. Got to make your bed before you leave. But she never did that for appearance sake. And she never made us say ma'am or sir or look people in the eye or shake their hand or say please or thank you for appearance sake. She always made sure we understood, now why do we do that? My mom's very much up here. She's a thinker. And because of that, some of the greatest things I've learned about theology came not from seminary, but came from mom. I challenge you to have that same experience. That some of your greatest theology can actually come from other people, and namely mom. How a mom cares for family and kids is, I think, one of the closest representations of the heart of God that we see. My mom never let what was going on outside affect what was going on within us three boys. Today, all three boys are teaching in churches on Sunday morning. Guy, I'm not sure. He's on a rotation. He might not actually be teaching this morning. But my brother David is preaching at a Southern Baptist church in Portland, Oregon. And my brother Guy is Sunday school teacher and has been for years. And on the deacon board at a church in Menachee. It can work, folks. What Paul's talking about It works. And I got a mom to prove it. Grow in value. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this morning. Um, I pray, Lord, you'd help us see what real value is. Thank you, Lord, that we can see it in our moms most of the time. Lord, we know there's exception to the rule in that, and I pray that in those exceptions that you would help those people see real value in you, that you give them a tangible, earthly thing that they can see value in, and give them a clear path to pursue it. If you're here this morning and you're not growing, 
I want you to talk to God. If you're here this morning and you've been trading a value, you've been compromising something. Instead of letting it define you, I want you to talk to God. And if you're here this morning and there's a certain person in your life that's projecting on you, judging you, defining you, frustrating you, I want you to pray for that person to God. Father, thank you for the offering we're about to receive. Pray you would bless it and then bless everyone, those who give and those who could not today. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. May you always see God for your value and help others grow in it as well. Amen. Amen. Go with him. Happy Mother's Day. Take a rose. Kiss mom. Be nice to the rest of the family because usually that's what mom wants. <laughs>